You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I am your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanpodcastnetwork.com for a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also love to dip into other nerdy things we love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 56, Death of the Family. Now joining me for this Joker Spectacular is another Mr. J, Mr. Joe Fornerato. Joe, welcome to the Batman Book Club for the very first time. Ryan, thank you very much for having me on here. I've, uh, I've been a fan of this show since day, uh, day one, and I'm really excited to, to be on it and talk about this book. I Well, thank you for being a fan since day one. The first launch with Peter Vera on Batman Year One. Oh, Peter, how far we've come with that fella as well. New Jersey's own Peter. <laughs> Jersey's own Peter. He's, he's a fan of the smoked meats. He'll tell you all about how to do it right. Uh, Joe, since this is your first time on the episode, I have to ask you, what is your favorite Batman story? Well, it's not anything, uh, anything special, but I think you're going to like the answer. I think I got to go with The Long Halloween. I, I can't Ooh, think of another... Yeah, I can't think of another story that really really means as much to me as that other than the book we're talking about today i think the book we're talking about today is the only one that i would ever maybe uh put in that same category for me personally but i think as far as the best story for for batman i i would have to go with the long halloween now now what is it because if you've listened since day one you know i love the long halloween Actually, you and I may have just talked about it for two hours in length on a friend of our show, Eric Carter, The Fire Rises. Uh, but for listeners who maybe haven't heard that yet, what is it about The Long Halloween that, that makes it your favorite? Well, um, I think it's, it might be either the first or the second Batman book I ever read as far mm-hmm. as like my adult life. I mean, when I, when I got back into comics with Batman Begins, that was one of the first collections I ever picked up. And it just impacted me more than I ever expected it to between the, you know, the, the mob, uh, you know, the mob and the, the intertwining of the mob and the, the freaks, as we discussed on Eric's show, mm-hmm. and just the whole, the sweeping story and the mystery of it and the artwork. And there's so much stuff about that. And it, it really brought me to love Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale for other books. And there's really, I mean, I really don't even want to get into it with you on here because we'll end up talking about <laughs> long Halloween for an hour before we even get to the book we're supposed to talk about. But, uh, and unlike you, I know you said you've read it 200 and I mean, it's been a couple of days, so you might be up to like 245 <laughs> now, Maybe. but uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little bit under that, but I'm, I'm up there. You'll get there kid. Yeah, just get, just stay focused. You'll you'll get there. Uh, <laughs> fantastic choice. I'd have applauded anything, um, but yeah, the the long Halloween, mm, chef's kiss. But we're not going to talk the long Halloween 
sadly. But we're still going to talk a very good book today. It's called Batman, Death of the Family. And a little back, back uh, history, some, some knowledge on this, this run. It was written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Greg Capullo. Uh, that ran in Batman issues number 13 through 17, so early on in the New 52. Uh, there are backup stories written by James Tynan IV and illustrated by Jock. Uh, it has been collected in a hardcover of just those issues. It's been part of a, a uh, another edition, a saga collection. It's been re-released in like Coppolo Snyder collections. It has been released digitally by issue, uh, obviously physical issues, and it's even been released in an unwrapped edition, which is the pencils of Greg Capullo. So, Mr. Joe Fornerato, which version did you read for this episode? Um, it was a combination of the hardcover mm-hmm. of Death of the Family with just uh, issues 13 to 17. And I also read it digitally. I, I, w- I kind of went back and forth between where I was when I was reading it. And uh, sometimes digital is just a little bit more convenient for me. So, and I also, I tried diving into a little bit of the, the side issues um, to just to refresh my memory. I hadn't re- read any of the tie-ins in a long time. So I, I checked out the Red Hood one and a little bit of the, uh, the, Red, the uh, Teen Titans one. I was going to say the Red Robin one. So I've, I read it also digitally um, for the sake of the convenience factor. I do have the first released collected version, which is a hardcover that I believe you also have, which is very cool in that the cover is half of the Joker's face. And yeah. then it, the cover of that, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the technical term, the sleeve. The dust re- jacket. The dust jacket. There you go. Yeah. Not the sleeve. Dust jacket. Uh, you remove that, and that's removing his face to where you have the, the raw muscles underneath. Very cool from as soon as it was released, and I picked up my copy. Uh, sadly, that's still in my storage. I was not able to make it there and grab it for this episode. But you have that version, right? Yes, I'm looking at it right now. And whenever I read a hardcover, I always take the dust jacket off when I read it yeah. so I don't mess it up. And I am staring right at that, you know, <laughs> the gruesome face of the Joker right now. Oh, it's it is, and it's you. cool because, And it's cool because I don't remember that ever being included in any of the, uh, the single issues. And I had all of the single issues. Oh, you did? Uh, nice. Yeah, I, I have every variant, every, I guess, standard variant. And I also have the... I guess it's the black and white or the sketch variant of issue 13. Okay. Very cool. So then, yeah. So maybe this was just original art then for, for the hardcover specifically for the hardcover. Now you brought something to my attention. I I read some of the tie-in issues. I don't remember which ones, uh, but we discovered that there is, that was just like Joker or Joker death in the family and it collected all the tie-ins plus Batman number 17 so the last chapter of the story which is very strange but there's also another collected edition that's like the it's the DC essentials part of that line and it says that it was DC's website says it was released in April of 2019 and it apparently includes everything but yet we can't find it anywhere to buy we can't find it listed on Amazon we can't find it listed on eBay. Uh, this was all, Joe pointed me in this direction. I didn't know this existed. And then 
uh, even the DC website itself says check availability and you click on it and it directs you to different books elsewhere. So I think people at DC, if you're listening, Joe has found out that you guys have fooled us and that this is a book that does not exist. Yeah, I'm a little confused by it to be completely honest, because I found it by accident today because I was curious if they had ever come out with a, um, I was looking for like an omnibus or something. I mean, it would be a smaller omnibus, but something that collected the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I came across that and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, cause I remember the Joker one only in, I don't even remember it including Batman 17, which I feel like it'd be even less weird if it didn't include Batman 17, but it includes just Batman 17 and then all the tie-ins. So I, I never got that. I was hoping for something that had everything. And yeah, I found this book and I, I found it without finding it. It's, it's like a hole in, it's almost like a Mandela effect that they left on the website somehow. Like it's really weird. So I don't know. I don't know what happened with that book. If it is available, I might buy it. I was a little disappointed. It was essentially a paperback, but I don't know. Very weird that that book is out there, but not out there. Yeah, I only I own the hardcover. I'm very happy with the hardcover. I can I bought the digital issues. These were the first digital uh, issues that I ever bought because um, I think I'd just gotten an iPad a month prior, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. It's a new storyline. I'm going to start from here." And those Death of the Family was the very first issues I bought digitally, and then I did buy. Thank you to this wonderful store called uh, Ollie's that our uh, Rob Myers, who was just on last episode, is a massive fan of, as is Ryan Haas. Uh, they had the Death of the Family unwrapped version for $5. And that was a major score. And I picked that up. And that, that's just obviously for, I just want to look at the art. Um, and it's, you know, and it's in its sketch phase and it looks, it's a really awesome looking book, but that version is actually kind of expensive if you don't find it at Ollie's. Uh, you mentioned you have every variant um, and the hardcover. Uh, do you have? Do you own any other versions, or did you kind of say that's that's enough for you for Death of the Family? Well, yeah, um, I'm very jealous of you guys with this Ollie's. I mean, I remember <laughs> hearing about that when when you hear Rob talk about that on Everybody Loves the Drink. I'm like, what the heck is Ollie's? I need to find one, and there are none in New Jersey. There are none around here at all. So. Um, I'm very jealous of Ollie's. I do not have the unwrapped version. I have the unwrapped version of Court of the Owls mm-hmm. or Court of Owls, but uh, I'd never got the unwrapped of this. I was still really holding out hope we would get some type of absolute, maybe with this end game, mm, uh, but yeah. uh, nothing, nothing other than Court of Owls for some reason with the Snyder Capullo stuff as far as the absolutes. But gotcha. um, as far as the variants go, so like you were saying, you have the digital versions, I even have the, at the time when DC was doing those combo editions. So it was, it was, I think, $3.99 for the regular issue. If you, if you bought the $4.99 combo edition, it came with a digital code. Ooh, nice. And it was a variant cover. It was just a, like an odd color. It was just a, like a flip of the color scheme. Gotcha. And I bought every one of them for, I think, the entirety of Snyder and Capullo's run. Dang. Dang, yeah, I, son. I went pretty crazy with the uh, <laughs> with the Snyder Capullo run as far as individual issues go with the variants and stuff because uh, the new fifty two is what brought me back to buying monthlies. Yeah. So and so yeah, we can get into more of that with this story and everything. That, but yeah, I 
I loved uh, all the variants for this. Yeah, and in this, in the collected hardcover, and then also in this digital version I'm reading off of Hoopla, uh, they've got the the variant pictures and the stuff too, which are which are fabulous. Now, it would sound like you would just kind of answer my next question. And when did you first read this? The book was released. I'm sorry, I left this out. That it was released from October 2012 through February of 2013. Did you read this right when it came out? Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. Me too. Me as well. And now the big one, a big question here. When I ask you, you if you would like to be on the show, and surprisingly, you were like, no, your show sucks, and I had to convince you. It took a while. <laughs> Why did you say Death of the Family? What was it about it that made you choose this book? So coming off a of court, court of Owls, um, I was so excited to find out that they were going to do a Joker story. And... I guess because this book just kind of came out at the perfect time for me after getting back into the monthlies, loving the court of owls so much. And just the, the buildup to this story was insane for me because I, it was really like, like I said, it was just when I first started getting back into the monthly comics. And I know a lot of people like to kind of crap on the new 52, but the new 52 did its job for a lot of people. Yeah. And I am one of those people. And I think people tend to harp on the bad parts of the new 52 more than they accept the fact that there were a lot of great stories in the new 52 also. Mm-hmm. And with this story, it was so when it came out in October, I, I just remember I could not wait to go get this. I got every issue that they released that day. I even I remember seeing the I think it was a one in 100 is the the sketch variant. And I think it was like 70 bucks. And I remember like, I can't do that. And this is actually, <laughs> this is my ignorance at the time. I had no idea that a one in 100 meant the store just had to buy a hundred copies to get the one issue. I thought it meant there was only a hundred of them made. You're not alone. <laughs> so I'm like, I was such an idiot, but I'm like, there's only a hundred of these in the country. Like, how is that possible? And I remember I bought it while I was working and I came back. I, I bought all the other uh, issues and I remember talking to the guys I was working with. And I'm like, they had this issue there that there's only like a hundred of them made. They're like, dude, you got to go back and buy that. Like, why would you not buy that? And it was like 70 bucks. So I went back and I did buy it. And then I found out, like, after I looked up what one in 100 meant, I'm like, oh, that really stinks. <laughs> it's still a rarity though. Still a rarity. It is. And I, I do love having it. And uh, so, and then I just, I ended up, I got married in November of that year. And I remember reading issue 14 on my honeymoon. Nice. And it's like, there's just a lot of, a lot of other stuff going on in my life at the time when this came out where it was just the perfect time. And also, if you remember too, 2012 here in New Jersey, that was when Superstorm Sandy hit too. So there was a lot going on uh, in my personal life, good and bad. I mean, I was lucky enough where Sandy didn't really affect me yeah. other than it, you know, affecting our wedding plans and everything. But just being able to like, be on my honeymoon and read an issue of Batman that one I obviously read digitally and it was just everything about this story was just I mean it's it's a sick twisted Joker story but it is so much fun as far as Joker stories go you're sick Joe you're sick (laughs) (laughs) it is a love story about Joker and Batman I mean it's I just love the way it's written. I really do. I, I love the way it starts out 
with with the Joker making his you know big comeback after the whole doll maker cutting his face off thing. I mean, there was a lot going on around this book, and I don't know how much you remember of. Did you read Detective when it came out? I'd started, and then I was, oof. How I felt about that detective run is how I feel about the current Batman run. Anyways, <laughs> but I stopped with detective after just a few issues. Yeah. So when I picked up detective one and Batman one, I didn't, I don't think I grasped that when I picked them up at the time, they were starting new stories. I thought they were just going to be special one-offs, I guess, for the, the opening of the new 52. Gotcha. And so like, when I saw the end of detective, I didn't really understand what the heck was going on. And I didn't know that they were going to carry on that uh, into this. Gotcha. So the whole, the whole thing with him cutting his face off for everything was just another cool marketing thing for this book. And I know a lot of people say like, it was a weird gimmick or whatever, but I, I enjoy the way Capullo draw, uh, draws it is like, if you just keep an eye on his face, the whole freaking book, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, uh, it's like a character just seeing how it kind of evolves or devolves throughout the book is really fun. All right. That's a good starting point to just get us into the story is that for those who are unfamiliar, the detective comics, number one of the new 52, it did feature the Joker, but Dollmaker uh, became the villain of that first arc and Dollmaker persuaded the Joker to cut off his own face, which was then kept in Gotham city police department. And this a year later, uh, Death of the Family launches, and that's where we kick off the story: is that the Joker is returning to GCPD uh, to retrieve his face. So, as you just as you just mentioned, uh, just because it's on my mind too, yeah, definitely the the rotting of his face over these four these four issues or five issues, I'm sorry, that Greg Capolo pays attention to detail. So it looks so gross, but yet fun and yet sick, but also like engaging too of, because that's what would happen. Like you think about that. And of course, comics don't need to be full on realistic, but I mean, skin is going to like die and his face basically <laughs> is it's getting by that last issue i mean his face is turning green and throughout the issue uh like when he when batman punches him and stuff and his face is sliding off and they take the care of of using panels to show joker like repositioning his face that it's pulling his old hannibal lecter you know and and putting it all back on and fitting accordingly and like it's so messed up but i think it totally works it works in for the story especially in retrieving his face is the inciting incident which holy shit joe the opening in the gcpd is perhaps my favorite moment of snyder and capolo's new 52 run in batman i think it is amazing it is so creepy it is so effective the Snyder is full on horror mode here. Capolo's in full on horror mode here. And Batman is not in any part of it until the very last page. It's insanely good. Yeah, it's like you said, it just it opens with a bang. Like you he does such a great job of making the Joker everything that he is quote unquote supposed to be. 
He's yeah. supposed to be entertaining as all hell, but also scary. Yep. And in this scene, he is just scary. But you can't help but be just mesmerized by what he's saying. And I've heard that criticism a lot, that Joker is too talkative when Snyder writes him. I've always liked the Joker being this talkative. I, I don't know. It never bothered me. I he, doesn't, he doesn't work in silence. Hey, like, yeah, if he like, was, he's not a silent Joker. Like, that's part of the play of why he's the perfect opposite of Batman. Because he's a happy clown. Batman's a scary bat. But the happy clown is actually the bad guy. And the scary bat's the good guy. The scary bat doesn't talk. The happy clown is always talking. Like, the, to me, that's just how the Joker is. The Joker talks a lot. Batman talks very little. Yeah, and like just the whole, you know, when he, when he finally gets to Jim, uh, Jim Gordon, and Gordon's like, he told a joke, Batman. It was awful. Like... Mm-hmm. It's such a, and it could come off as a corny line, like he told a joke, but just that it's, it's the Joker. Like he comes in and murders, it's like 12 people or something. Like, like they're nothing. Just kills a bunch of cops in GCPD. Taunts Gordon, doesn't kill him, but taunts him about where he hides his cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, t- private, personal information, and that's what that's what elevates this to such like a, a horrific level. And just like what's effective in horror, it's not necessarily what you see; it's what you don't see. And so we're not we don't catch any of the violence. We see the aftermath, and it's perfectly paced on how we're black panel, black panel, panel with Gordon's flashlight and uh, nothing, and then black panel we're hearing the sound effects then we see we hear a crack and then gordon's light and one of the necks are snapped another one is you just see his foot as if you're just too late and then you see the water coolers tipped over it's like man that's so that's so cool and creepy and we're not seeing panels of joker full-on snapping the neck in the moment and stuff like that and it's just as he's doing the taunting with the dialogue and everything it's just man have i told you that i like this yeah, well, I was pleasantly surprised to, to hear you mention it on your top, uh, your top Batman stories episode because I had actually mentioned this to you before I heard that episode. So, uh, yeah, I – and then you finally get the light turned on and there's Batman just standing there. And you just see the dead body surrounding Gordon. Yeah. And it's just – yeah, it's to have Joker, you know, doing the commentary of his killings. And mm-hmm. you'd never see his face because he doesn't have his his face retrieved from evidence yet. And yeah, I mean that's it's only the first issue and it just starts out it's it's only like a few pages in of the first mm-hmm. issue. And it's just you the stakes are set right away. This is not gonna be your typical Joker story that you're just gonna move on from. And yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, what's great is that we just, we don't even just by that, we don't know what's, what the story's about. We're hearing, we hear death of the family. We instantly think of death in the family. Sometimes we get them confused, even though I mean to say <laughs> death of the family and I end up saying death in the family. Um, but we don't know exactly what this is about. And I mean, we, we get the introduction of Batman reaching out to the rest of the Bat family about Joker's loose now. And then, I mean, I, this is definitely going back to 
the Joker's first issue of using the the media to to taunt and give his warnings, and he's playing the whole arms. I'll be this person's arms as a somebody's talking to to the television. And I think what's so effective here, and it's just such a small detail, but it definitely looks so. I almost get like a little eighty nine Batman eighty nine feel here of the TVs, you know, and the the little static. And it's not a completely clear picture and such. And it, it's just very effective to me. Of like, it's so stylistic and so unique and cool, you know? Yeah, and the, I mean, it also pays homage to, it's, it's like a homage of a homage where it's a homage to Batman, the man who laughs, mm-hmm. which is a homage to Batman number one. And they, yeah. um, and also that you brought up Batman 89, they homage Batman 89. As far as I know, that's what they're homaging later on in the book with the blimp scene. Okay. I don't know if that's taken from another comic also. I've looked, th- I've looked that up and I've never found. Same here. I'm, I'm not saying thing. that it's not, that it's, it, it isn't. I'm just saying I, I've looked many times and I've never found, oh, there it is. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's. I did the same thing because I'm like, there's got to be a way to just find an issue with that in it, but I I wasn't able to find it either. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of callbacks to like their first meetings and, like you said, with the the hand puppets and and then you know, there's uh, you could say it's also a homage to the Laughing Fish with the way with what happens in the next scene, correct? Is it the Laughing Fish or Five Way Revenge? No, it's uh, Laughing Fish. Okay. Of you, yeah. So he, the the poor the poor soul on the TV, uh, basically does the warning of Mayor Haiti dies at midnight, and yeah. then that poor that poor soul uh, gets killed by the Joker. And so then they've taken every precaution they can think of in securing uh, the residents of Mayor Haiti. And that he's going to be safe and he's going to be fine. And then the Joker flips the switch on that, and it's everybody but Mayor Haiti actually dies. Everybody's infected, and that is such a really good twist. And that to me made me believe because I do remember pretty well in reading this the first time that oh, so that's what the story's going to be is he's going to reenact earlier crimes, but he's going to flip them on themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, especially in how the issue ends, then of we have love the red hood is at ace chemicals yes and batman gets trapped down in uh a bin with a lid on it and in the the acid starts pouring in and then we realize that it's actually harley underneath the red hood and then batman's trapped and then in a to book ending the opening issue here is a, another horror scene where the Joker shows up at Wayne Manor and ha- takes a hammer to Alfred. So we don't have to go through every single issue, but I just think like, like that in depth, but I think the first issue is so good in, I don't know how it relates to the title yet. I don't full on know where this story is going. And we've already got three freaking creepy scenes that are full on Joker horror mode that are like, are a plus their home runs yeah absolutely and you're right it teases the title but you don't realize how it's teasing the title yet yeah because he hasn't told batman his plan 
He doesn't tell him until the next issue, but the seeds are planted there. He's just toying with them. Mm -hmm. And the whole conversation they have while he's in the, the, you know, the, the tank at Ace Chemicals is, is definitely leading towards that. And then you get the whole thing with Harley and how Harley is even scared of Joker at this point, which yeah. is a cool little thing. Cause at the time this is, I mean, this is when I guess she was involved with the suicide squad and was trying to, to kind of distance herself from him in the first place. But when she even tells him like he's changed, he's not the same anymore. Uh, and then you get, you know, the awesome scene of Batman talking about the, the chemicals and, and how he should have never survived this and how he knows the chemicals in and out. And it's just a lot of cool Batman stuff too. On, on top of the great Joker stuff, Batman is at his best in this book. And as we come to find out, that is kind of the point of the book is for the Joker to get Batman back to himself. Yep. That, ultimately, in which that's just what makes, so, so many things you just said. Number one, Batman's at his best. When Batman's at his best in a Joker story and the Joker's also at his best, like that's just one of the best Batman or Joker stories then period. And to me, it's like next to the killing joke and the recent edition of the three Jokers, I think also like, I think death of the family has to go up on that greatest Joker stories ever told uh, for, for those, the reasons that you just kind of mentioned of Batman at his best and Joker at his best. And the, the story then becomes personal of Batman, this family that you've surrounded yourself with, they're making you weaker. Like, you need me. You don't need them. We need to get rid of them so that it's just you and me. And it's almost like not so much the family aspect, but that's also a little bit touched upon in Three Jokers recently, too, of Joker, he needs the Batman to be focused on him. Like, I'm your number one target. I'm your biggest fan. You don't, you're not you without me. Like, so as Heath Ledger so perfectly said, you complete me, you know, like th that's such a, that's such at the core of the relationship of a Batman and Joker. And when, when an artist or yeah, when an artist or writer, they can capitalize on that. And that's the core of their story. It's like, that's, that's what you need. Now add some, some sick twisted shit on top of it, but, and at its core, that's what death of the family is. And I think that's why it works so, so well to me for me. Well, that, that goes into that whole, you know, sick idea of this is a fun book for me because it is such a fun idea mm -hmm. of the Joker loves Batman. Yep. And it's, it's flat out said in this book that he loves Batman. And I mean, he taunts him the whole book saying, darling. and I'm your jester. You're the king. I need to make you laugh. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's the, the, the word play between the two of them and, and Batman comes back at him a couple of times with some cool quips. And I mean, you can give or take that. I know some people might not be crazy about that, but I think it works so well in this book. Yeah. And the, just the, the idea to have, I mean, it's always been like a thing that, you know, nobody's Batman's biggest or uh, the Joker is Batman's biggest fan, but this book just kind of proved that. And it, it showed, a reason for why Joker is Batman's biggest fan and the fact that he loves him so much that, I mean, if you want to just get into it, he wants to kill the Bat family. So Batman is better because he felt like Batman was better when he didn't rely on the Bat family. Yep. And it's such a cool idea that like literally death of the family 
we I think we all took it as it's going to be a play on death in the family and and kind of lead towards that book but it really is its own thing it doesn't even mention those stories that much um I mean as far as uh death in the family or like the killing joke it's it's hinted at everyone talks about how the joker is the one that Batman tries to protect his family from yeah and I I think it's so the core of that is what's emphasized so much in a lot of superhero stories and was even mentioned in the dark knight trilogy and specifically in dark knight rises of uh you know you wear a mask to protect the people that you care about because as soon as the villain knows who you are behind the mask he can start to target you know your your family and your friends and your loved ones okay but so he doesn't know who batman is behind the mask we'll get to that later he just knows the mask but he does know other people wearing masks that are like basically that's Batman's family. So it's almost inverted on that whole, like that whole, why he's even wearing a mask is to protect the people he cares about. Well, he's wearing the mask and it's not hiding anything because Joker is now able to pick out and seek out the, the other members, you know? And it's like, so in a way, I don't know that I'd use weaker, but Joker is kind of correct in a way like there's more they're they're like crutches like yes. like he it's it's not necessarily that it makes batman weaker it's that like you you hinted at earlier joker's not the only one batman needs to focus on now he has other people to focus on which joker is obviously jealous of and it's that batman needs to rely on other people where if he didn't need to rely on other people he would by default need to be better that's Joker's perspective on this. Yeah. And it's just such a cool dynamic yeah. to have. And it, it just makes sense. It does. And I want to, as we, as we move on along a little bit, when he finally returns back to the manor and there's the package that, and it's a cassette tape. I love that they use the cassette tape. Um, and he puts it right into his cassette player. That's right there in a sitting area. Cause of course, why not? Don't we all have cassette tape players, but I love him in, Yet again, we see nothing. We're just hearing dialogue and it's creating a picture and an image for us, what we're led to believe. But then I I have always loved the fact of it, the one panel where the, like you hear the dialogue of the Joker laughing and the way that the sound waves are, are green. And there's the red line on the cassette player itself. So it's like, it's the smallest thing, but it's also cool of like, oh, look at, it's like, it's the Joker, a red smile green hair you know it's such a small thing but i, I love it because <laughs> i'm a nerd joe i'm a nerd i mean if you've ever followed greg capullo online back when this book was coming out or back when he was really writing batman in the new 52 the he he works on this stuff for so long because he puts so much detail into every panel and i i just learned to appreciate that so much because he really did not like he doesn't take any panels off there is, there is just so much little, little things in each panel like that. That smiley face is just such a great touch. It mm-hmm. really is on a cassette player or on a cassette tape. And I mean, the art is really what made me fall in love with uh, all of this stuff. I mean, obviously I love Snyder's writing too, but there's just something about Capullo's art and the way he can make something. I remember him saying something like, if something starts to look too real, 
he has to go back because he wants it to look like a like a cartoon like animated Mm -hmm. and it's such a different dynamic because as you are i'm a huge fan of lieber mayo and i love the fact that two of my favorite artists are complete opposites and when you see someone that can draw something cartoony but also make it horrific like the scene of gordon clutching batman when he's bleeding out yeah which that's a really good sequence also and i said that's a very good sequence also and also how batman knows that gordon's next because that's the name that's on the cassette tape yeah and then like also the the pictures that gordon picks up of Barbara in the hospital bed, and then you're like, oh, is this killing joke? And then right next to it is, oh, look at that. It's at the old amusement park. Oh, this is, that picture must be right after the killing joke. Like, such a yeah. cool little nod. And then his the way his, <laughs> Capolo illustrates Gordon's finger starts bleeding. Like, around yep. the nails, just starting, the blood's just starting to, like, come out of him. I've always thought that to be chilling, too. As well as the next page of Gordon just falling oozing blood and falls into Batman's arms. Like, man, that's some good stuff. Yeah, there's the the thumb when it starts bleeding, because if you if you're not looking at the next page yet and you're just focused on the thumb, you're like, what the hell? Like, what did he just cut himself? Like a paper cut? Like, but it's like so much blood and then it just hits you on that next page, like yeah. out of nowhere. And the uh I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but the the way you were talking about the the pictures that he's holding it reminded me of um like oh they're they're not going to mention you know sarah and they they kind of do a quick little nod to to sarah from no man's land later on i don't know if you caught that you know yes later, and uh, we will uh, we will get to that and i wonder if it's what you're saying is what i'm thinking of Ooh, what a tease we're gonna come back to it <laughs> we're gonna get it i think the next big set before I get to a big part I want to talk about is just the bridge scene. Oh yeah. That is where I could understand. I can understand. It doesn't necessarily mean that I agree. I can understand if someone wants, this is where it's like, Oh, this is too, too much dialogue. Yeah. Because sometimes, a lot of dialogue. sometimes in a comic book and I will, I'll point to the dark Knight returns on this. That sometimes it's like in turning a page, it's like, man, that's, a lot of words. <laughs> it's and, a task. Yeah, and it's not that I'm an idiot, I don't think, and that I don't want to read, but sometimes, for me, that can slow down pacing of a, of a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here, I can definitely see as you turn there, and it's like, oh, there's a, ooh, there's a lot of, there's a, a couple monologues from the Joker, but I think he's just, he's reminiscing on the relationship of the two, and I think that the dialogue just works really, really well. And it's, it's a love letter to the relationship of Batman and Joker and like a nod to their earlier adventures in the comics and how, how their, their matchups would be. And so for me, I found it just kind of like a joy to, to read the summary basically. Cause in, it's not like he's saying, remember how I would say I'm going to poison somebody and you came and stopped me. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> it was like, it's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's the relationship of the two. It's the, some of the psychology, which is scary to dive into with the Joker, but like his psychology, the psychology of their relationship and stuff. So I think that just really, that just, again, emphasizes the story and continues to show how this is a great love letter of the relationship between Batman and Joker. 
I think that at the core of, of this bridge scene, that's the core of it. And that's why to me, it also works so well. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like I understand from a reader's perspective, why at face value you would say it's really wordy. They're talking a lot, but if you look at it from Joker's perspective, he is giddy. Like he is literally yeah. like a, he's playing like a schoolgirl, like a little teenage schoolgirl talking to his crush and he is just basically chibber jabbering like he's just he's just talking batman's ass off because he is so excited about what is coming and mm-hmm. he can't wait to pull this over on batman and that's what's again it, it goes back to that whole fun aspect because you you're on the edge of your seat because you're trying to figure out what the heck is going on and you're like man he like i look at it from this perspective of man he is talking a lot what is he getting at because mm-hmm. you just you and that's where i get where you're saying is you can't wait to turn the page to see where he's getting at but you want to read all these words and it's like you got to find that happy medium and I, to me it works i i'm okay with all the words being there but yeah it definitely does like make you like try to scan through it as quick as possible so you can get to the next page yep exactly and then we we do see by the end of this of this issue what he's getting at what he's getting at is that he's telling batman i know who you are and i know who the i know the identities of all of your family members of the of the bat family and i'm coming to get i'm and then he because they're all listening in here and he's like i'm coming to get all of you you're all gonna die and batman's gonna be the one that kills you joker doesn't just make empty threats in this even in this story thus far like he's not making empty threats like he's backing up his his words so to end it on that like of course and especially since we've already seen batman warning the family about him uh it, it, the point is like oh oh hell like batgirl nightwing red robin robin red hood you got watch out now because joker apparently knows he knows he's gonna know where you're at he's always got a plan it's all part of the plan um I I really like the opening of the third issue, the I the pupil story. Like that's so interesting to me. I've never forgotten it since since being here, or since being here. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> since reading this issue the very first time of the, and I don't know. I've never looked into it on if it's true or not. Of like the the enlarging of your of your pupils and such and the react like the movements of your eyes to mm-hmm. and the connection to emotions and how the jokers are just the same no matter what i think that's that's fascinating and it's also really fast i love the the drawing of it's in it's in shadow but except for the jokers the joker's face is just popping out and it's scary and i have nightmares because it's scary it, it is a scary image and I, i'm with you it i put it up to um like what christopher nolan said about liam neeson delivering the line from batman begins we, we wrote some nonsense about rub your chest your your <laughs> yeah. arms will fend for themselves to me that's this i don't care if it's true or not i believe it <laughs> yep yep i i you don't want to know how much i just stare into my fiance's eyes to be like do you really love me? your eyes yeah. need to show me love your- or hate love or hate you gotta <laughs> tell me <laughs> oh they're not moving at all you have no emotion holy crap what am i getting myself into uh, I I want to hop now to, and it's perfect that this go that this happens like right in the middle of the death of the family story. Is everybody? It's a family reunion down in the Batcave. 
and Batman has to tell the story of of like this the blimp of uh, how not long after excuse me the not long into their relationship there we go they're fighting on a blimp joker falls off the blimp batman go into the water batman goes to try and uh find a body doesn't see a body goes back to the cave goes upstairs tries to sleep comes back down to the cave and there is a single joker card and he had a replica, the Joker card that we see hung up in the Batcave all the time. That's a replica of this Joker card that he found. Al, the family believes the Joker knows where the cave is. He's been in the cave. Batman gives a whole list of reasons why that's impossible. We also know the Joker is the Joker. So with that, this, at this point after this scene and explanation and all of that, do you think, Joe, in this story that the Joker made it inside of the cave? Hmm. I think I would like to believe he didn't. Okay. Because I think it's just I love that the Joker can mess with Batman to the point of I didn't make it in, but you're going to always have in the back of your head that I did. And I, I think that's what I, I love the, and it, it goes further in this book than this. I love that the Joker always is playing Batman. Mm-hmm. It is always a joke. And even if it gives Batman a little bit of pause, even though Batman knows he couldn't have done it, the fact that that card was there makes Batman think about, like, there could be a slim, slim chance that he did get in there. I think Snyder and Capullo effectively uh, as a unit get this across that there's a little bit of doubt on Bruce's part. Yes. And because Bruce definitely, he has a right to withhold any information he wants. He is Batman. Uh, He has a whole list of safeguards so that nobody can make it to the cave but he doesn't tell the family because he doesn't want to worry them because it's impossible. But in reading this, I think every time it seems like he has a seed of doubt in trying to, in, in his rebuttals to the family and in, in telling them like whatever they're saying, almost like, no, that can't be true because no, that can't be true because it's, yeah, it's like, you're living, yeah, it seems like you're living in denial. But yeah. but as we see in Batman stories, when Bruce, when he is, like, he can deduce the weakness in how he got played or how he got tripped up or something, you know. Um, he can always figure that out. And here he, he's saying, I don't know, there's just always something in it that I think Snyder did really well. You can believe either side and you're right. You can believe Joker made it to the cave and there's evidence to support it. You can believe that he didn't make it in the cave and there's evidence to support it. And I think that's like brilliant. That's great. And they don't, and I love that they don't commit one way or the other of whether he knows his identity or not. In this story, you can believe either way. That Joker knows 
Bruce yes. identity? Yeah, they really don't commit to that. Let's go there. Because you brought it up. So to add... Pretend, our- well, pretend like, end, pretend like you haven't read Endgame. Okay. Because obviously that changes once Endgame came out. But in this story, I even paid attention to this in the tie-ins. He says, oh, I know who you are. Now I'm going to go after your family. Like you were saying before, he goes after the masked family. He does not go after Barbara when she's Barbara. He goes after Batgirl. Correct? Correct. I know he, because I, I haven't read the Batgirl issue in a long time, but he goes after Red Hood. He goes after Red Robin. He goes after Robin. He goes after Nightwing. He does not unmask any of them. So he makes Batman think he did, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until you know, the joke comes out. So it's, I love that everything is really a joke. In this entire book, Joker is just messing with Batman. He's, he definitely wants to kill the Bat family, but it's mm-hmm. still, even if his desire is to kill them, he still wants to get the joke across first. And I, I just love that okay, he is... He is literally messing with Batman the entire story. Well, to add to what we've already gone over, and at this point in the story, this evidence, especially now, of pinpointing the possibility that the Joker has been in the cave, we add on to it later of... Well, I mean, you could say because he went after Alfred. Joker went and got Alfred. Why would he get Alfred? Oh, because he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. That's the instant link there. But apparently Alfred is the only butler in Gotham City and Joker needed a servant. <laughs> so it's known Alfred Pennyworth is a, is a butler. So he goes and gets him. And then Batman's rebuttal at the end is that after he took the card, he went to tour Arkham Asylum as, as Bruce Wayne and they got to the Joker's cell and he even called him out and he said the Joker had no recollection could not tell nothing and he's like so that just also secures it that he doesn't know who i am now there's and that he doesn't care and that he doesn't care does not care to me the joker doesn't want to know because that loses the fun that loses the joke of of like to know would deliver the punchline and then the joke's over and the joker doesn't want exactly and And i think it's more I think it's more he doesn't want Batman to know for sure one way or the other. Yeah. That to me is the bigger joke from the Joker is I'm going to let him think I know. And if I do know, I can't let him know definitively that I do know. They don't know. I know that, you know, I know we know it seriously. I, w- <laughs> I was thinking it, but you said it. So. <laughs> Anytime I can drop that, I will try. <laughs> and it's, but it's like, he, it's true. Like he, he really does. It's because I do think he knows and we find out in Endgame that he did know, but he won't just flat out say it because that ruins the joke. Well, I think one thing that we haven't talked about is that the Joker's face is rotting. Uh, there becomes more and more of a presence of flies oh yeah (laughs) drawn to perfection 
by Greg Capullo. When I see the flies up close, I can hear a damn fly around my head. <laughs> but the the emphasis on the emphasis on the flies, and then that's that's where we end. Actually, is like we end the story. Bruce in the cave, and a fly buzzing around, and a fly buzzing on the ha on the screen, and that's the end. And I think that is a lingering presence of the Joker. That's a still Snyder's last little, uh, last little clue to keep us in doubt that, well, actually, maybe, because after Bruce even says at the end, it goes total defense of how the Joker does not know. Snyder does this of like one small little, oh yeah, but here's a little, maybe possibly. So that being said, in this story, by the end, do you, Joe, think that Joker knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne? Pretending like I didn't read Endgame. I feel like when I first read this, I didn't think he knew who he was. I thought he was just messing with them. Um, it's hard for me to look at it now that way. But I do feel in the context of this story alone, I did not think he knew he was Bruce Wayne. Did you? I'm not good at saying one way or the other because I know what I want slash don't want also affects my decision. And I don't want the Joker to know Batman's identity. Yes, I, I agree with that because I, I think the story works better if he doesn't know because uh-huh. it just, it's for, for lack of a better term, it's funnier. It's, it's more of a, a gotcha to Batman. Yeah. And the, I don't know. I I'll find a way to support that Joker doesn't know, but I can totally have a conversation and understand why people will say he does know for many reasons that we've already said. And I would have to read Endgame again because I don't remember if it's explained in the beginning of that story how he knows. It's been a little while since I've read Endgame. That one I really yeah. like a lot as well. Yeah, um, I do too. I I love the nod to Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum at the end of issue number three. The, the walk up to Arkham Asylum is beautiful. Yep. That is... That might be my most memorable thing of reading this month to month. Was that because I was like, "Oh crap, they're going to Arkham!" Mm-hmm. Like that was that was such a and just the way he draws that is just awesome. With each yeah. panel, him going a little bit up the steps, it was, it was great. Yep. And then at the end, it's like the lights come on, and it's it's almost like it's the eyes and a mouth, and ugh, so good. But I love the story that he's telling as he's driving up to Arkham about how it's been quietly been turned into like a horror house. Um, there's a lot going on. The guards have to, the Joker's got all the guards there under watch. The guards ha- have to make these changes and they can't let and can't give a clue to anybody. They have to keep quiet about it. And so that was, I remember that was a great way to end that issue, but I was like, damn it, I want the next one right now. And then I think the whole, the whole house of horrors in Arkham Asylum is fantastic, but I know we've spent a lot of time talking already. I want to go to the the bodies sewn together, a royal tapestry, oh, yeah. 
and they're alive. And Joker did that because he says that with the help of the dollmaker. Yes. With the help of the dollmakers, the dead would be better, but he put tubes in the stomachs and voila, the live flesh makes the colors pop. Well, that's creepy and messed up and drawn on the body sewn together is a nod to the laughing fish is a nod to death in the family to the right of Batman holding Robin, is that the nod to the No Man's Land you were referencing? That's how I took it. I okay, don't cool. see... Me too. Yeah, because he's holding a baby, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the one of Batman with his arms tied behind his back is a nod to. I don't either. Man, we're in the same... Oh, could that be Mad Love? Because um, I didn't realize it was Joker kicking him. Is that Mad Love when he goes into the shark tank? I don't know. He goes in the shark tank in Five Ways of Revenge. I have. Does he also? Long. Does he also go in Mad Love? I don't remember. I want to say it was the Mad animated Love. series version of Mad Love is when she ties him upside down over the shark tank, right? Oh no, that's not Mad Love. That's not. I'm I'm getting confused with another Joker story. And uh, so yeah, it's it's got to be Five Ways of Revenge. But the, I'm, that, thinking, I'm thinking of the episode of the animated series that homages Five Way Revenge. Well, the that's got like is that supposed to be Alfred tied up there also? Because that's what I, I took know. it to, and I'm like, I don't know, I can't think of a Joker story that Alfred was also tied up. So that's that's a little bit of like I know that that's something. Snyder's not just going to do something that's like I don't know, I don't know what else to put, especially yeah. when it's in between two big Joker stories. Um, and I'm going to say three, like as a Joker moment, the one all the way to the right, the no man's land nod, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, continuing on, go ahead. Well, while we're on this page, Snyder does, is not kind to horses in this story. I know. I know it's just illustration, but it is brutal. I felt I was sad. Yeah. Batman punches a horse right in the head to get the guy flying off of it. And it seems like the horse is fine. Um, For now. But then also in the backup, or that same horse goes up the steps and gets frozen by freeze and then broken. And yep. then the the backup story of the previous issue, the horse gets shot in the head. Earlier in this issue, a horse is set on fire. Yeah. like I don't, I don't even remember the horse getting oh that's right the, the the horse the one horse they were carrying wouldn't cooperate yeah and it fell on yeah. a guy and then yeah, yeah. He just shot Jeez. it yeah this is a not a uh pita happy <laughs> it's okay it's a comic it's okay it's a comic that's what i tell them. it's okay it's just a comic it's just a comic yeah uh i do i mean it's a build-up as we see in a in the backup issue previous the previous one had the riddler and then this one has the penguin and two-face um that's kind of a fun i don't know it's kind of like a fun spread when you turn the page and it is like here's your throne my king i'm i'm your jester you know they've got the the three villains on the left and then they've got other orderlies i think dressed up as the justice league because why not yeah, that's what I assume they were. Is is any workers in Arkham? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. It's just creepy. Very creepy. And then we get some close-ups of 
Joker's face as we're starting to see it starting to turn, it's starting to rot and the flies are around it and stuff. And that part is always like, man, that's really good to me. Joker reveals that he's captured the family, which I believe those are moments from those tie in issues. Um, and I'm just trying to get to the, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, dinner table scene. <laughs> yeah. Which is a great setup too. And this, this ending, this totally worked for me. I think upon initial, initial viewing, and I know that there was a criticism for Snyder and I think I had it some too that I'm like, his, his buildups are excellent. I don't think he can stick to landings. And this one always worked for me at the, like, from first viewing like the ending i think he sticks to landing on this one because we have such a great threat and this is such a great scene that we're teased with the members of the family around the dinner table they've got hoods and they've got dinner plates in front of them and then it's revealed that it's their faces and they remove the hoods and it's bloody wrap around their faces and the plates have the faces and all that and it's like holy crap did he seriously do this ultimately no but I don't forget the ride that I had the doubt there and was like the shock, like the drama, the tension, all of that really works for me on that first viewing that maybe he did. Well, I think this goes to that, that big problem a lot of us comic fans have where because we, we like to speculate and we like to anticipate that if it's not something as crazy as we thought of ourselves, it doesn't work for us anymore. Hmm. Like for some reason, I remember the big thing, going was joker's gonna kill a member of the bat family yeah so did i because everyone that means somebody's gotta die yeah and everyone was like it's gonna be tim it's gonna be tim Mm -hmm. everyone thought it was gonna be tim because they're like it's not gonna be anyone else because everyone like you know damien's just getting started and they were wrong about that um dick is you know they're not gonna kill dick everyone just speculated that it was gonna be tim and the ironic part to me is if they killed tim everyone would be like oh of course they killed tim how stupid is that but when they didn't kill anybody, people felt that was a letdown. And I, I think this works so much better than a dumb death because, again, it was a joke. The whole thing was Joker was going to make Batman think for a split second that he did this. Then his plan was to reveal that he didn't do it right before he kills everyone anyway. So it was just, again, to toy with Batman. It didn't work out, obviously. But that was the Joker's plan, was to just keep getting Batman's emotions up and down, open, up and down. And I, I love it because it works for a read, the readers, too. When you see those faces in the dish, you're like, holy crap, he did it. Yeah. I, it never even occurred to me that it wasn't real. Yeah, and well, death of the family by by issues end it does live up to the title because the the family is supposed to meet again to talk and all of them cancel out so now this this one big unit they there it's now uh peeled off everybody's on their own yeah so they're not united anymore by the end of this book now how long did that last okay but that's like in the new 52 run of batman which scott snyder was in charge of mission accomplished with this story arc death of the family death of the bat family totally lives up to that yeah and it's another story where joker accomplished what he wanted to he didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily kill the family but figuratively speaking he did 
yeah, he got the family to turn against Batman. And it's not a a physical part. It's it's emotionally, like it's yeah. it's inner. And I think that that is almost longer lasting. Jason Todd they, was killed in one issue of a comic. That happened done, but the effects, the inner emotional struggle of Bruce lasted for dozens of issues. Mm-hmm. Like so that that inner part, the feeling, the emotion, that that's the everlasting thing. And that the physical fighting and killing and explosions are always great, but we definitely needed it to mean something. And here these actions definitely meant something and added up to something. And of course, there's a great uh, face-off between, literally, ha, wasn't even trying, face-off between <laughs> Batman and Joker and issues end. But I, aside from loving that, definitely, when Batman says, no more dances, and he punches Joker, and Joker's face completely just oh. <laughs> moves. And I'm Which like, is completely, it's like yellow at this point. It is, it's gross, and blood's flying, and it's like, man, that's illustrated so well by Capullo. Um, but I... I do. I love this part where Batman tries to tell Joker your name, your history. I know all of it. And I'm trying to find your real name is, and Joker just flips out. It's like, shut up, puts his electrifying little handpiece and is just like off the cliff, off the waterfall. Cause don't, don't say it. Cause maybe at this point is like, I don't know if it's because Joker has forgotten and doesn't want to know. Or he doesn't want to believe that Batman knows. Because then that also reveals, like, that's the end of the joke. I don't need, and that supports the, no, no, no. I don't want to know who you are. I don't want you to know who I am. Because that ruins the fun. So that supports yeah. the thinking of Joker doesn't know who he is. That, that little glimmer of doubt on both sides is what makes the, the dance fun. Is yeah. They're both just dancing around the facts because they want to keep playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep playing the game. And I love when Joker's falling down the waterfall and his face falls off and you only see his <laughs> chin in the one panel and then you just see the face on the other. So we never get an image of the Joker without his face. And I think that that's fine for me. And not just because I have a hardcover that I can remove the dust jacket and see it. it. It just works for me that it's not that important to me to see the muscles and stuff. The, the effect is that he has his face that he wears as a mask. That works for me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so we kind of just, we went ahead and we touched on um, basically with the end and the ha and the, and the fly. Something I didn't mention is that we kind of did with the covers, but the cover to Batman number 14, which is Joker, the, the marionette, that is one of my favorite Joker or favorite covers of all time. I love that one where he's sitting there with TVs and every TV <laughs> has a member of the family on it. And he's in his Joe's garage uh, onesie and he's sitting there working that. I, I just don't know what it is about that cover that I love that cover to death. I think that is such an awesome cover. And I think it was such a strength for Capullo to do his own covers for his issues too. So I got to bring this up because it's one of my favorite images that had to do with this story. And I don't think it's a Capullo image. Okay. I've never, I just sent it to you. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get it or not. Um, it was a promotional image, I think for Batman and Robin. I don't think it was ever made a cover. 
And I think Patrick Gleason might have been the artist behind it. Have you ever seen that before? I'm looking. Hmm. I've never seen this one before. So I remember it distinctly from a promo image or something, but it's hard to find that image anywhere online right now and get a definitive answer of who drew it or anything. I want to say I remember it being Patrick Gleason because he was the artist on Batman and Robin at the time, I believe. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, like that. I love that image. I actually have an, a shirt with that image on it that I got at Comic-Con one year. Oh, you're messed up, Joe. I, it's, so it's the Joker's face in the shape of a bat. It's just his, his mouth, basically, smiling. In the, and it's like the outline of a bat in red it's i just love the look of it i think it's such a cool image and i'm disappointed that it was never used as a cover yeah that one's i can't say i'm i love the covers that we got that we got so i can't say i'm disappointed that this one wasn't used but i do think that that's a cool definitely a cool image yeah it could have been a variant i mean like i said i got all the variants and i got to look through my my covers to see if i do have um if there was one where the because they had those they did have foldovers so i i'm curious if one of them did have the unmasked or unfaced joker on them because those those were some cool covers i do you have uh even the tie-ins were really nice covers i know and that's where i was trying to i'd stop the physical issue because uh, i had a space issue and so that's when i was like i'm gonna do the digital and then some of these, I was like, damn it, I would have really liked. Yeah. I would have really liked that. And it's actually funny because I'm, I'm sending it back to you now. There, somebody made that image a GIF. Oh, nice. That's kind of like, it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's disturbing. That is definitely like, la, 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 la. <laughs> but props so, to whoever made it. And I, I was also very lucky that I, I was able to meet uh, Zach Snyder. I was able to meet Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo at New York Comic Con. Nice. Um, and they signed my Batman number 13. Yeah, a boy. So that was cool. How were they? Cool as you'd expect? Yeah, it was actually right after a panel. So, like, after the panel, they're like, anyone that wants to come up, we could try to sign as many as we want. So that was cool. Was I didn't quick. have to, like, wait in line. Yeah, but it was just a quick thing. Uh, very nice guys, though. Just signed it real quick and, and moved on. But That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm not usually an autograph guy. I, I won't wait in line for, like, an hour or two to meet someone to get something signed. I, I just – I i'd rather meet someone and talk to them than get an autograph I, i've never been me too shameless plug my one-on-one interview with lieber mayo where he signed everything that i brought <laughs> in and i got to talk That's to awesome. for 15 minutes no big deal yeah. <laughs> no big deal but i get it i think i'd be the same way even with a snyder coppolo it's kind of like how long's the line man especially if i'm at a comic con and it, like do I want to waste an hour and a half of my time or do I want to go see more things? And I think I would be like, Oh, nothing against you guys, but I want to see stuff and I'm running out of time. So. Yeah. Um, So like in that case where I didn't have to wait in line, like that's a no brainer. I'll I'll do that anytime. And sometimes you get lucky where guys are just sitting at their table and there's not a line and you could do that, but I'm not, I'm not a wait in line, pay for an autograph type of guy. Uh, I want to ask you a couple questions now. Okay. My first question being, uh, what is your philosophy on life, Joe? No. What is your favorite color? <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite color? Who's your favorite family member, Joe? Huh? Tell me. Tell me all your secrets. Uh, I know that you're hiding cigarettes under the mesh in your bed, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your favorite part of Batman Death of the Family? 
the favorite part has to be the the dinner scene mm. the, just the the reveal of everyone at the table heads covered platters in front of them when you first see that it's just holy crap what is happening that splash page with the with the four panels on the right it's just such a creepy scene uh you see batman in the mirror looking at himself in the mirror so he can it's a it's a really cool design on how you get batman's image in the one shot yeah um yeah that whole scene and how everything just transpires with joker's contingencies but batman's contingencies and how he has to trust the the team to get themselves out of it so he can go after the joker what you know the joker jokerized uh alfred which we really didn't get a chance to touch on yeah. uh just creepy all around mm-hmm. but really cool scene it is totally agree uh mine you could probably guess it is the attack at the gcpd yeah for every single reason that i already listed i don't need to repeat it all it's totally effective horror scene paced well drawn well dialogue's perfect the point of it all is perfect love 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 that part uh let's get i would not argue with anyone that says that's the best joker scene in a comic personally um i wouldn't either (laughs) i better not if it's my favorite part uh how about how about a favorite panel that's tough in yeah. this book, that is really tough. I'm going to interrupt you and say, yes, it is very tough because I had a problem with this as well. Because well, I, everything that you've you, listed, we've talked about everything and some things we haven't even. There are so many screen grabs of this story. Go ahead. So I'm going to guess yours is the is the eye. Okay. Uh, which, honestly, it's probably one of two for me. It's either that or the Joker with the hammer on Alfred. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one There's of the- also, yep. I got to mention the other one. one. Okay. It's, I'm going to pick um, the Joker with the hammer over Alfred, but there's also that great one with the Batman coming out of the, uh, the flames. I, I have to find yeah. it now. Um, That's at the, the bridge. Yes. And ep- or page issue 15. Yeah. There's no page numbers on this in the hardcover. But, but all of it, you're going to go with the hammer on Alfred. Yeah, I'm going to go with when the hammer. When he's laying Alfred. the hammer down on Alfred. That is a scary image. And it's yeah. just a really, really beautifully drawn image. Uh, your guess on mine is incorrect. Okay. I don't know that anybody could guess. And I don't know if this will be disappointing. Mine is when he's standing in the doorway, the Joker is, at the GCPD. Gordon's looking at him that just that panel of Gordon looking at him where he's in the shadow yes yeah I've never forgotten that image because it is I love horror I love the horror genre it works Mm -hmm. on so many different levels for me there's so many different perfect genres choice for you in horror for me and yes this it's silent but it's right before things get creepy and there's just so many elements of it that are just creepy and as i say almost every single freaking episode on this show and my favorite images always end up being something that can spark uh an idea in my imagination somebody Mm -hmm. presents this 
panel to me, does, does my mind start being like, Ooh, maybe this happens or that happens or something. That's usually a favorite panel of mine. And that's mm-hmm. what this, this does for me. And kind of then where the story goes the next couple of pages from that, like totally supports like how I feel of just that image alone. So that's, that's my favorite. This might be lobbing a softball your way. Would you like to see this story <laughs> adapted in animation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Perfect answer. And, and how? Like what format? Like a movie, episode of a TV show, a series? What do you think? Uh, I think you could make this a 70-minute movie. I think that would be... Absolutely. You could re- do this really faithful as a 70-minute animated movie. Um, the hard part is the animation. How do you, you know, I would hope they would try to at least emulate Coppola's art in some way. Yeah. But I know they, they sometimes get a tendency to try to, you know, everyone has that Joker. They get tired of the Joker. It's like Joker either goes away for a long time. And then when he comes back, he's everywhere and people get sick of him really quickly. Uh, I'm always up for a cool Joker story. And I think he, I think, you have a good chance of this getting adapted someday because Joker sells people like buying Joker products. So, and it's kind of a, it's a good one-off. It's a good. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. And to answer my own question, I would love to see this adapted into a DC animated movie. Uh, 70 minutes, like you said, 75 doesn't need to be 90 minutes. I think they can do it in 70 or 75. And like you just said, it's a, it's a one shot story. That it doesn't need to lead up to this. You don't need all this because there's nods to there's dialogue and nods to their history that you take somebody who's not as up to date on their history. It's like, well, this is just an element of the story. But for okay. us, we can be like, oh yeah, there he's talking about when they fought on on what do you want to say? When he was fed to a shark, you know, in five way revenge, you know, and a, a general audience member can watch it and just kind of be like, Oh, so they fought before and uh, by a shark. Like, I don't know. They can, they can totally do that. And I think it would just be a blast. And I would totally want them to emulate the art somehow. Like, of course, it's not going to be exactly like Capullo's art, but do something like, I don't know. They did it. Capullo did the, the album art for corn freak on elite or, follow the leader and they did a freak on a leash and emulated some of his art. So maybe they can do that in animation. They've already kind of, they've already kind of done it for Capullo. Come on, come on, DG. Come on, come on. Uh, Joe, let's talk about your final thoughts on Batman death of the family. Something you said and you want to say again, maybe something you haven't said yet. What What are your remaining thoughts on this story? I think this is one of the most underrated Joker Batman stories. It does not get talked about a lot. Uh, I, you know, everyone talks about the killing joke and I feel like that is kind of overrated as far as Joker stories go. It's a, it's a great one-off story, but it's not my go-to Joker story. Um, Three Jokers in recent years obviously has been, really really uh well liked by the fans and i did really enjoy it i still i think this is my favorite batman joker story um it's a great one-off it's a it's a shorter book i mean it's you know i wish they would kind of get back to these shorter storylines like five issues you you could read it pretty easily 
I think that's why I go back to this a lot, just because it is such a fun short story. It doesn't have to take up a lot of your time, and the art is just fantastic. Uh, I I love Greco Polo's art. I can't say enough good things about his artwork. Uh, and I, I'm a huge fan of Scott Snyder too. I, I mean, the the whole New Fifty Two run. I know um, I wasn't too big on the the Bunny Gordon stuff, but it's it's a great story in the New Fifty Two. Uh, if if anyone likes this, check out Endgame. Also, it's a nice little uh, sequel to this. But yeah, I I love this story. I when you when we started talking and I I you know you asked me to be on the show, I, I knew this was going to be it because I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised nobody talked to you about this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I didn't really expect anyone to love this story as much as I do, I guess, because for, for whatever reason, it, it's just not talked about a lot. So I was happy to come on and, and talk about this because I think more people need to, need to really give this book another shot if for some reason they didn't like it on first reading for whatever reason. I, I hope that... I hope that if people are listening to the episode, they they can look at it again now and, and see it for what it is, as opposed to all the, maybe all the anticipation for this book when it came out kind of hurt the ending for people. But I, I love it. I also love it. I think it is one of the greatest uh, Batman Joker stories of all time. Uh, there are other ones. You mentioned The Killing Joke, and rightfully so. Uh, I... I just think it capitalizes on the relationship of Batman and Joker. It's totally respectful. It pushes it into, it pushes it further. It's definitely not a retread in any way whatsoever. Uh, It brings something fresh and new while respecting the past. It's really messed up, but in a, in Joe's words, a fun way. Uh, (laughs) It's, it's just done at such a high level from beginning to end and it missed out on my top 10, but just barely uh, that list was hard to come up with. And it was hard to not have this one on there, but I, I adore this story since the first read and every time I read it, I read it over. And it's actually been a couple of years since I've read this. So I'm really glad that this is the one that you chose. Batman death of the family. Starring the joke. It's, it's cool too. Cause like we were just saying with, with, the killing joke and three jokers in this they are three completely different batman joker stories where three jokers kind of focuses on you know barbara and and jason the killing joke is more of the joker story with you know the trauma to barbara and more about getting to jim gordon where this is about batman and joker so i i love that all three of those stories that we mentioned are, are really, really vastly different in my opinion. I agree. And I know that I've mentioned the killing joke. That's the next episode. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. I'm excited for that one. That's, that's a, that's a going to be a good one. Joe, I want to thank you for joining me on this adventure to a twisted story, a twisted tale in the, in Gotham city. Uh, where can people follow you? Do you have some plugs? All that good stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as jforn 11 I am on uh, Vero as Joseph-F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. Um, and you can, uh, if you want, listen to Ryan on uh, our friend Eric Carter's podcast, <gasps> The Fire Rises. What are we uh, talking about? 
I know. It was, uh, we talked about a book that Ryan kind of likes, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, check that out with our friend Eric. Eric has a great podcast over there that I'm on a lot. Uh, Batman the Fire Rises. And uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere. Hit me up on Twitter. And uh, that's probably the best way to me, uh, to reach me. But thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Absolutely. And a fun note behind the scenes of The Fire Rises, Eric was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot for this episode to be about 30 minutes. And we talked about the long <laughs> Halloween and it was about four days long. So um, that's all my fault. All my fault, but that's okay. Because I love it. You can follow The Batman Book Club on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes when a new episode drops and sometimes even some giveaways. You can also follow me personally on Twitter at Lauer underscore Ryan. Lauer spelled like lower. You can also check out all of my write-ups covering comic book reviews, animated movie reviews, um, interviews with somebody like Mr. Lee Bermejo and such over on batmanonfilm.com. You can also write in to the Batman Book Club at thebatmanbc at gmail.com for questions or comments, concerns, go to Eric Holzman. You can help support the show if you'd like some, some merchandise on TeePublic. There are onesies for your kiddos. There's also t-shirts, hoodies, uh, flags, wall art, stickers, anything that you want that's got uh, the Batman Book Club slapped on it that helps support the show that goes back right into it. But if you would still like to support the show and don't want to spend any money, that's completely a-okay too because the greatest way you can help is rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. A link to the Apple Podcasts page is in the description of this episode. The more reviews we get, the more it helps spreads the word. And as we all know, the word is panic. So for Mr. J himself, I am Ryan. And until next time, read my Batman comics.